0: Well, hey there, Heike Yeats here, and welcome to another episode of the Pursue Your Spark podcast, the podcast for women over 50 that want to ignite their fitness, nutrition, and mindset spark. Today, we're talking about a very common problem that many of us are dealing with, and that is back problems. Using a simple example is we love gardening. I do, and I know many of you do as well, so... You're weeding the flower beds, you're putting out the mulch, you're cutting the bushes, you are digging. And for hours, you bend over, twist, pull, dig, schlep stuff. And we all feel so accomplished until the next morning. You can barely get out of bed. Standing up, you have to use your arms to hoist yourself up. So you're thinking... I'm not in such bad shape that a f- few hours digging and light gardening put my back in such massive pain. But in our modern society, back problems are a problem, both in a social and economic terms. It does affect a large number of w- women, larger than men, especially those 45 to 60. Today, we're diving in why back problems are so common among our age group and how we can ease back pain or even prevent it. Let's dive in. Hi there, you're listening to the Pursue Your Spark podcast. I'm your host and fitness warrior, Heike Yates. And on this show, we empower women over 50 to take back their health and strength with sound fitness, nutrition, and mindset strategies. Our guests on the show share their honest stories so that you'll have the courage to take action, knowing that you're not alone in your struggles. You know, back problems are so much more common. Not everybody talks about it. And I know sometimes it's a little iffy to bring back your ex-husband with a story, but he was the typical example of throwing out his back once a year. So one of the stories was that we went on vacation to snowshoe in West Virginia, and we had the car packed, and my son was still very little. He could barely walk, so mostly crawling. And we had decided to go on a winter vacation with a little bit of sledding, and I definitely wanted to ski after having skied in years here in the States. So we drive up to Snowshoe, we're unpacking the car and I'm waiting with the baby upstairs and my husband didn't show up. So I grabbed the baby, I went down the stairs and he was literally bent over the trunk. And I thought at first he was joking. I said, come on, straighten up. And he says, I can't. I thought, no way. And he says, yes way, I can't even straighten up. I don't know how I'm gonna get upstairs. So he threw out his back by twisting the torso, bending the body forward in the trunk and lifting something heavy outside, out of the trunk. So what ended up happening, he crawled up the stairs. I know it's not funny, but at that point, I was thinking, Jesus, he's in great shape. How did that happen? So lo and behold, the rest of the vacation he spent lying on the floor inside the apartment, playing with our son, while I went out skiing by myself. This is how bad he threw out his back, and this usually happened, but once a year. So I could just wait for it, and. This story may resonate with you or somebody you know, and you go, oh yeah, I know how that feels, and I know exactly when that happened. So we're talking first about the interesting facts about back pain. There are some really cool facts. Now, worldwide, back pain is the single leading cause of disability preventing many people from work as well as everyday activities, as we just saw in the skiing example. Back pain is also one of the most common reasons why people miss work. You can't sit all day when your back hurts. But uh, interesting enough, only half of all the working Americans admit to having back pain symptoms each year. And having been a teacher and coach for 30 years, I know many people have back pain much more often. So experts estimate that about 80% of the population will have back pain at some point in their lives. And it's interesting that back pain can affect people of all ages, young and old and in shape and out of shape. But it is important to mention that we are now living longer and we may become caregivers to our parents that means we may do a lot of lifting like the example lifting something heavy out of a trunk this could be lifting something or somebody out of a bed or helping somebody out of a chair so we need to really take good care of our back most cases of back pain are mechanical meaning that they are not caused by a serious condition such arthritis, infections, uh, fractures, or cancer. But worldwide, low back pain has been on the rise to by 54% rising up in back pain between 1990 and 2015. Low back pain costs Americans a lot of money. At least 50 billion in healthcare costs each year. And then you add this on when you can't get to work and you can't make any money, you can't move around because your back hurts, you're sitting at home. And that figure easily raises more to a hundred thousand billion dollars combined in income loss and care costs. That's a staggering amount. How do we know that we have back pain? Well, it really depends what's going on with your back. Since every body is different, we have different symptoms. So here are a few examples of what it could feel like, and some may resonate with you. There's pain that is dull or achy, oftentimes found in the lower back. And the back pain can be mild and annoying or severe and debilitating. So you have both really big differences in the scenario. Back pain comes suddenly like with my ex-husband who bent over and his back was done. Or slowly and coming and going or gradually getting worse over time. Back pain is a sneaky thing, and sometimes we want to wish it away and we ignore it and we take aspirin and we say, Oh, I'm fine, but we're not. Also, back pain can have stinging and burning pain that moves from the lower back to the backs of the thighs, your glutes, and it can feel like a tingling or a numbness when the sciatica nerve that sits in that general area can be affected by back pain. Muscle spasms and tightness in the lower back, pelvis, or hips, another contributor to back pain. Back pain can get worse after a long time of sitting or a long time of standing. Not always both. I told you, back pain is a tricky little monster. You can have uh, back pain... Difficulty standing up straight and being hunched over may feel a lot better walking than it is straightening up. Or it's tough to go from a seated seated position to a standing position without pain. Now, big word of caution, if back pain persists, whether it comes and goes, whether it's a little to a lot, especially when it's a lot. But when it's there, and you're not sure, and f- you've been eyeing it for months, but if it persists or it starts with sharp pain, you consult your doctor as soon as possible. Do not wait, because it can-, it can have very different symptoms. And because your friend tells you that he or she had something very similar and that the pain was just like your friend is describing, you're thinking, oh, I probably have what he or she has not so fast. The American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons says that back pain resolves spontaneously in most patients. But with such a large number of us affected, it's time to take action and get active. So don't listen to the stories of your friends, families, and whatever you read on Dr. Google. Go see your doctor. Now, there are three of the most common reasons for developing back pain after or around the age of uh, 50. And they are degenerative changes in discs and joints, spinal stenosis, and spondylolisthesis. So degenerative changes in discs and joints is you're losing the moisture and resilience that makes the discs very effective as a shock absorber. So once they're gone, There's not much cushioning there. Osteoarthritis is the most common form of arthritis. Um, Doctors may refer to this also as a degenerative arthritis or degenerative joint disease. Osteoarthritis in the spine most commonly occurs in the neck and the lower back, So oftentimes I hear, oh yeah, right around where my belly button is, that's where it hurts. Or right where my uh, waistband sits, around the sacral area, or then the neck right below your head. These are oftentimes where we have osteoarthritis and where we can feel these degenerative things happening. Then we have spinal stenosis. Spinal stenosis is the canal through which your spinal cord passes. And the spinal cord can narrow because it's degenerating and it's thickening the ligaments or the arthritic facet joints. And that's usually in the lower back. So this thickening and the arthritic changes in the facet joints contribute to the spine narrowing down on your nerves. When you have a degenerative disc disease, sometimes your body tries to compensate for the loss of stability by trying to produce more bone to stabilize the spine. Mm -hmm. That's another way of how this channel gets narrower. The bone growth, called also bone, bone spurs, may crowd the spinal canal, a condition called stenosis. Stenosis can put pressure on the nerve roots, just like I said, it bunches in the nerves that branch off the spinal cord. Symptoms of this compression can be pins and needles, muscle spasms, uh, you lose the sense of touch, weakness and pain that suddenly comes on, or you feel the pain radiating down the arms and the legs. So... This is a very serious condition that needs to be addressed, and spondylothesis is when one spinal vertebra slips forward onto the vertebra below, and again, contributes to compression. So these are the three things that we develop just because we're getting older. Now, since this is a podcast for women, how does estrogen affect bone and spine health? Clearly, estrogen plays a role in both male and female bone health. It promotes the activity of osteoplasts, which are the cells in the body that produce bone. So they're called osteoplasts. Estrogen helps slow the breakdown of bones and encourages bone growth. Drops in estrogen level over time compromises the health of bones. People that have chronic hormone imbalances and postmenopausal women, namely us, are both frequently affected by bone diseases such as osteoporosis and osteopenia. And osteopenia is a precursor to osteoporosis. Studies show that the risk of developing osteoporosis is higher in postmenopausal women. Well, lower estrogen levels lead to the loss of bone density over time. But you can listen to my podcast with Dr. Justine Bernard on how to build better bones in the episode number 87 so you get a deeper dive into osteoarthritis. So research has associated the lower estrogen level that follow menopause to more severe lumbar the lower back, disgeneration and increases in lower back pain in women is higher than the one in men similar in age. So we both are affected differently, but we both have an estrogen drop. Of course, menopausal women afterwards, much bigger. Now, there are two reasons why it is important to keep your back healthy. Number one, we live longer. And we want to stay healthier and more active as we age. Not like our parents or grandparents that once they retired, they sat down and had a good old day. And they, uh, like my mother-in-law used to do, she played with my kids when they were little from a chair, So she would never get up. And when she got up, she was barely moving. But she was, in general, never moving So a healthy spine helps us to function better with fewer aches and pains that occur just because we're getting older. Number two, as I mentioned that before, our parents live longer. And the situation that we become caregivers is a real situation. We need to be able to carry bodies, lift bodies up, assist in walking and assist perhaps in everyday living. So the stronger we are as caregivers, the better we protect ourselves of injuries and deterioration later on in life. Let's dive into the eight step plan to ease and prevent back pain. Number one, you know it was coming. Be more active. Why? Being more active increases the bone mineral density of the spine for postmenopausal women and other populations. Doing some cardio, doing some aerobic activity. And here's Dr. Nicholas Nuble, uh, he's the co author of The Framework for a Healthy Lower Back. He says motion is lotion. So being more active and doing your cardiovascular workout is fantastic when it comes to lubricating your spine and keeping bone density when it comes to cardio we're talking about running biking walking jumping in place that helps increase the bone density or the bone mineral density And things like swimming are not ideal for increasing bone density. They're ideal for taking the weight off your joints. They're overall great to uh, strengthen and lengthen the muscles, but not ideal for bone density. So we want to look for something with impact. It could even be a trampoline that would work as well. And uh, so combined being more active with the cardiovascular fitness that not only increases your bone density, but it also is good for your heart health. Now let's dive into Pilates for core strength. People with back pain tend to have weaker abdominals than those with back pain. H- hands down true. The deep abdominal muscles, namely the transversus abdominal, act like a seat belt to support the low back. Together with the pelvic floor and the back muscles. That's why when you hear me teach Pilates, I always say, put on your seatbelt, pull your navel to spine, and do a Kegel. And oftentimes people smile and say, oh, you and your navel to spine and your Kegel. But they are part of helping you strengthening your back. Strengthening your core means strengthening the whole belly, the back, the chest, the back, all the muscles but the arms and the legs in this case. And Pilates can help with a lack of core support, pelvic instability, muscular imbalance, poor posture, and body awareness to counter weak back muscles. As I said earlier, when you think about people shuffling down the street, barely picking up their legs and being really hunched over, could have many reasons, but for the purpose of this podcast, we're talking back pain. They may have stenosis in their neck. They may have no core strength. They may be sitting all day and reading in a rounded forward position and never like lie on the floor and stretch out the body and strengthen the muscles that help them build up their bones. So I visualize the muscles as a structure that is helping the spine to stand upright. Without the muscles around it, the spine would just fall down. And the muscles hold everything up. But if the muscles are weak or they're imbalanced, one side pulls more than the other, then you get in trouble with this. You might experience some pains that you could prevent by having a much more balanced body and balanced muscles throughout the Body, Yeah, and so Pilates is fantastic for identifying weaknesses and where we need to balance out our strength, need more flexibility, and how to get really good core and pelvic stability. Number two is weight training for strength. Weight training could be weights, dumbbells. It could be bands. It also is, Pilates, if you are have worked out on a Reformer or a Cadillac, we have springs that are attached to the machines. And these springs act almost like the Dyna bands or resistance bands that you see that are stretchy bands and they, they, you pull them and they're really hard and then you slowly release them. And that is what the bands or the springs do on a Cadillac on a Reformer, for instance. So they're also considered weight training. Now, weight training does increase bone density all throughout the spine, yeah? And it gives you really better muscles, stronger muscles. And I'm a a huge fan, aside from Pilates and aside from exercise, I love weight training because not only will you feel stronger, you will become stronger in daily activity of living like running after the grandkids, playing tennis, going on a trip, schlepping your own suitcase. And uh, I just used the example, and I just thought of that, when you're going on an airplane, which at this point we're still not going on airplanes, but if you have a carry-on, how many people do you see they cannot get their carry-on up above their head into the overhead bin? Think about that. There's way too many people that cannot do that. I don't say everybody has to be able to do it, but most of us can do it if we're just focusing on what we need to do. Number three is balancing exercises to prevent falls. Falls as we age are one of the most common injuries of uh, breaking the pelvis. Balance can be done so easily Stand on one foot while you're brewing your morning coffee. Hold it for 30 seconds on one leg and then 30 seconds on the other leg. Another good option I was told is, I don't think it's my option, but I have been told that brushing your teeth is a great opportunity. If you have an electric toothbrush, you brush your teeth for one minute on one leg and then one minute on the other leg. That could be an option to practice balance, or when you stand in the grocery line, stand on one leg. Be sure that if you are starting out to work on balance, that you have something to hold on to to start with. Yeah, I don't want you to wobble like crazy and get frustrated that you can't pick up one leg more than 10 seconds and give up. Find something to hold on and keep practicing balance every day. Number four, rest when your back is inflamed. So when your back is really in pain, don't think that you have to power through this, that you will stretch it out, that you will exercise it out, that you will take an ibuprofen and you will be good to go. Find out what it is, where it comes from, how often it comes from, do a little diary. Where you can write down your symptoms i know it's a pain in the booty um, because you have to really pay attention to your body but it's a great gauge when you go to your doctor and here she says so how often do you have this pain when do you have this pain does it radiate can you sleep at night how bad is the pain when did it start when did it stop because we've learned that back pain can come and go Is it more often? Is there uh, any nerve pain associated? Remember the numbness of the hand or the tingling down the leg? So if you start to experience more frequent back pain that you notice, start writing it down and take note of it. And if it doesn't go away, don't do your friend's exercises. Go to a doctor, get diagnosed first then go to whatever or do whatever the doctor tells you to do which is right for you because not everybody has the same symptoms or the same solutions to the problem so get to know what's going on first and that's what I tell all of my clients get a diagnosis i'm a fitness professional i'm not a doctor i'm not a physical therapist but I can help you once it's clear what we're dealing with. Number five is maintain a healthy diet and eat for healthy bones. Yes, you can do that. You can eat for healthy bones because a diet devoid of nutrition and minerals and vitamins is not helping you build stronger muscles and a stronger body. Now, I want you to consider to eat more protein to build muscles. Many women tend to shy away from protein and eat a lot, lots, lots, lot, lots of carbs. I want you to switch gear and think of how much protein do I get in a day. Protein is keeping your muscles strong and protein also helps with the repair. Now how much? For one gram of protein per pound of body weight, it's a good healthy goal to aim for. So one gram per pound of body weight. And you can find good, healthy protein in eggs, fish, quinoa, greeny leaves. So there's so much food out there that can help support bone strength and muscle strength. Now, you may also consider boosting your calcium to keep your bones strong and reduce the risk of osteoporosis. And calcium can be found, of course, in pill form. Uh, but also in milk and fortified plant milk or salmon. So it was. I would say it's always good to do your annual checkup and get a full blood work done, not just this and that and the other. Know how much your iron is, your vitamin K, your calcium, your vitamin D, all the things that are vital to function for the entire body. And in our case, we're talking about spinal strength. Then we have vitamin D as I just mentioned and vitamin D is to is to help support bone health. The body needs vitamin D to absorb calcium, phosphorus and both are essential to bone production. So you, that's why right now we I think everybody as includes me we are vitamin D deficient we're spending Not enough time outside. We're putting on a lot of sunscreen. So there's a give and take about sunscreen versus getting vitamin D, taking a supplement. But you can get vitamin D from sunlight, salmon, egg yolk, fortified milk, or you take a supplement as recommended by your doctor. And, of course, we need to... Eat up on our healthy fats, which is always my super favorite subject. And you know by now, if you listen to my podcast, I love avocados. Uh, you eat can eat nuts and seeds, uh, olive oil for cooking. So it's amazing what healthy fats or how beneficial healthy fats are to your body. Because one serving per day, and that could be uh, half an avocado, a table, two tablespoons of olive oil, a small um, handful of nuts or seeds, one serving per day lowers your risk of weight gain and obesity while also reducing inflammation and heart disease. So healthy fats are the way to go. Another thing to consider is to protect your gut health, your gut microbiome is made up of trillions of bacteria, fungi, and other microbes. The microbiome plays a very important role by helping control digestion and benefiting your immune system and many other aspects of health. So ditch the red meats except for on occasion, no sodas, and very little refined foods because they're all increasing inflammation in your gut. And this is not healthy for overall health, including your bones and including your muscles. And finally, consider intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting has shown to decrease inflammation, promote weight loss, and boost testosterone. And if you're interested in intermittent fasting, I want you to check out my four weekly not program for more information on how to combine. Intermittent fasting strategy, gut healing strategies with exercise that is geared specifically to the woman over 50. And number six is maintain a healthy weight. So that ties in with the nutrition a little bit. But how does weight gain affect bone and spine health, you might wonder? Okay, during menopause, we tend to put on the weight around the belly and There's all kinds of name, but the belly fat sits there and it looks at us. What happens, the additional weight makes us prone to back pain with extra weight on our stomachs because the excess weight pulls the pelvis forward, strains the lower back and creates lower back pain. Very much so like uh, a pregnant woman. Imagine that. Yeah, so your, your pelvis is pulled forward, arching the back. And according to the American Obesity Association, women who are obese or who have a large waist size are particularly at risk for back pain. Number seven, warm up and stretch before exercise or any physical activity, and that includes gardening. So how do you warm up? You move a little bit. You don't schlep right away the heavy bags and bend down for hours. You may do a couple of stretches, and you can find some of those stretches on my YouTube channel, for that you can add to your gardening before you go for a run uh, or a bike ride. And if you don't do it before, at least do it afterwards. Warming up is also important that you're not going out of the gate full force. So take your time, go slow in the beginning, and then start doing what you're doing at the intensity you had planned on doing it. Number eight is pretty obvious and many of us don't do it anymore, but it is quit smoking. Now smoking impairs blood flow and that results in oxygen and nutrient deprivation of the spinal tissue. So this is, smoking is out. Although we're saying sitting is the new smoking. Both contribute to back pain. How do you move better to avoid back pain? And let's use our example of the gardening. I see many times people just bend forward with straight legs and pick out the weeds. And that's always a good example in the spring. And I hear this all the time. Clients that I work with always complain about low back pain in the spring. And then in the fall when the mulching comes around. So when you pick something out of the ground number one bend your knees and bend forward from the waist from the hips not from the waist or you kneel you engage your core you pull your navel to spine and then you bend forward from the hips instead from the instead of the waist and engaging your core and your glutes and then you come back up so i prefer kneeling over standing when it comes to weeding. But always think, bend knees, bend down, core engaged, come back up, straighten the legs. When it comes to lifting objects, the further something is away from you, like a flower pot, the harder it will be on your back to lift it up. So grab things really closely, bend down, grab whatever that item is, or even put it on top of your legs. I'm thinking the bag of mulch. I usually put it on top of my legs. And then from there, I grab it and stand up with it. Keep things close when you pick things up. Whether it would be gardening. It could be kitchen stuff. It could be anything you picking up out of the trunk, for instance. When you're biking, we're all leaning forward on the bike. I don't assume that we have a lot of triathletes in this group, but Many bikers I know, so when you're biking, you're leaning forward on the bike and you may have noticed how tired your upper body gets. I want you to think of sitting on your bike, doing a small pelvic tilt, engaging the abdominals, engaging the glutes, and then start biking. So most of the weight should be on your legs and not on your upper back or upper body. And the perfect example of what not to do is to twist and then lift something off the ground or pick it up from out of the trunk. Like I told you my story with my ex-husband. So instead, right in yourself towards the object and maybe it could be a dishwasher that you're emptying the dishwasher. You want to bend your knees instead of twisting to quickly get things done in and out of the dishwasher. You may have to turn towards the dishwasher, put things up first, and then move on from there. So it all depends. And then finally, don't slouch. In my world, everybody wears a crown. And when you picture yourself wearing a crown, you look very regal, of course. But think about how tall you are, that your ears are over your shoulders, your shoulders are over your hips. Your hips are over your knees and your knees are over your ankles, if I were to look at you from the side. So that doesn't mean we're pushing the hips forward as we're standing up straight and we don't push the shoulders back. We're standing in a tall Pilates body. We're standing aligned as best as we can. We're engaging our core, we're letting the arms relax and hang by our sides. And we're we're looking at what I call at the horizon. So if you are at the ocean and you see the water coming in and out from the ocean to the beach, you see at the horizon the sunset. And this is about where your eyes will be when your spine is aligned throughout. And it feels very relaxed and very easy. And it almost feels like too easy to be true. But this is daily practice. Whether you're standing, sitting, driving, walking, running, think even biking is somewhat a straight line of the body. So don't slouch. Instead, think of your Pilates body and your navel to spine. Now, I created a little video for you for some strengthening and and stretching exercises that you can do every day. And there's three exercises for Back pain. Now, they're the bridge, they are the modified swan, and they are a supine spine twist. And when you see the video, you'll know what they are and you can follow along in the video. Several research studies have suggested that Pilates can be effective for relieving lower back pain. The benefits of Pilates include, of course, improved core strength increased muscle strength and flexibility, and much better posture. The research also indicates that Pilates is beneficial for back pain, and I have seen it. I have witnessed clients recovering from their back pain. I have clients that said, oh my god, I have such a much stronger core because of Pilates, so check out the video. It only will take you a few minutes to do, and your body will thank you for it. The answer to the question is no, you do not have to live with back pain over 50. But you can be proactive right now and prevent back pain before it starts. By the way, get my 5 for 50 Lifestyle Guide for Women Over 50, So where I'll show you how to get started getting stronger and eat smarter for your age. Grab your free guide at HeikeYates.com. But what other back pain-related questions can I answer for you? Reach out to me at HeikeYates on Instagram, Pursue Your Spark on Instagram, HeikeYates Pursue Your Spark on Facebook, or email me at Heike at and let me know how else I can help you with getting rid of back pain once and for all. Thanks so much for being here, and I'll see you next time on the Pursue Your Spark podcast. Thanks for being here. Ciao.